Hello and welcome to 10 Very Big Books, a Malazan read-through podcast. My name is AJ Falleri and I have not read every book in the main series, but in just a few short weeks, that will have changed. That's right, counting down. Counting down to the the final episodes of of this version of the show and the final parts of this book. Uh, With me, as always, is my good pal uh, and used to be mortal enemy, Peter Bond. Uh, hello, AJ. How are you doing today? You looked really confused when I started that. Yeah, you just never know. You never know who's getting introduced when, you know? Yeah. Uh, also with me today is the salad queen, India Jones. India, welcome to the podcast. I am so grateful to be here, and I am also um, a salad queen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and finally, rounding out our show is the king of the pizza pie, Joshua Baker. <laughs> I'm not even the, the one pie. eating pizza. I'm not, um, Peter's the one eating. Okay. Yeah, but Josh, you're the king With of the, the pizza hands. pie. You have to oh, do the hands, Josh. You're right. Uh, you. Yeah, you gotta do the hands. Sorry. The pinched fingers, perfect. There it is. Uh, welcome to the show, everybody. We're talking about the crippled god, chapters 14, 15, and 16 today. Um, and I had brought up right before we started recording that I had a bit but I used it on a different show. So I now am standing before you, palms raised, oh, no. bitless. So maybe we just sit in silence for a little bit until we, we all feel like it's time to start the episode. I think that's all right, pretty good. Let's, uh, let's have a moment of silence. This is absolutely excruciating. I, I could, could not go for more than four seconds. For 30 minutes, I, and wait. I would be so content. I actually have something to talk about. Okay. Um, Please. Really quickly. So yeah. in this new world of, like, remoteness, um, oh. my roommate was telling me that eight seconds, like, if I were to say something to you and you don't respond for eight I've seconds, the human brain takes that as rejection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, whoa. So if you want to, like, make somebody just really uncomfortable or um, feel rejected, uh, if you're if you're toxic and you want someone to, like, want you to say, I want someone to feel rejected. This is the scenario. Yeah. Okay, so you they say like, hey, how are you? And you're like, oh, I'm fine. They're like, oh, so what'd you do this weekend? And you just stare at them for eight seconds. Like, are you, and they're wondering, why, why, isn't, why isn't she answering me? What, what's going on? And it's really I because- use this in my teaching frequently. No way. Yeah. Usually it's accompanied by, here, AJ. So like, I'm going to give you like a- <sighs> No, okay. Just like a quick, and then I move on. Just like that mm. little upward a eye glance. look, and then a little- <sighs> gone oh. next thing wow mm. you can't give them the satisfaction it's so dismissive yeah it's so dismissive yeah, yeah. it hurts well, i think i mean most i think most people could be brought down a peg personally <laughs> me especially everybody, everybody thinks too highly of themselves exactly. we need to we need to kick everybody down a little bit um i honestly agree with that i i totally i totally uh that's a hot take that i'm i'm willing to to heat up yeah now, there was just a little know, bit of gang <laughs> Coming out and saying we want to tear people down. That's the energy we want to bring on the show. 100%. Just a little bit. I don't know. That seems a little rude. (laughs) Well, I I keep trying to go eight seconds. Throwing it out there. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Can you say it again, Peter? Can you say that again? Okay. Sorry. 
I don't know. Do we really want to be trying to shut people down and like tear people down? I can sense it's left you a lot to think about. Eight seconds is so long. I got after like three seconds, <laughs> I started to panic. <laughs> That's like yeah, I, and you want to like say something, like something to like make up to come for out. it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, this is gonna be excruciating to listen to. Uh, but yeah, not I'm as glad I'm not the one editing. <laughs> I do. Well, I do just want to share. I, re- I in on a similar vein. I once read that I think like neurochemically, mm. hugs only really start releasing it's like, oh, chemicals. I know that you thought this seconds mm, in or something. I've heard that. I yeah. know this because of Peter coming into college one year and just that initial hug because it was a thing they'd learned over the summer. That first hug Love was a big long. Hug. Yeah, I feel like I remember and I, hearing and that. I read that article and was like, cool, I'm doing very long hugs. Yeah, yeah I feel like thing. I remember seeing that as like a like a an image or something on Tumblr, like in high school. And yeah. so then from from then on I started just giving really long hugs. And do you know what that means? Uh, That's ironclad science, baby. When's ironclad. Tumblr ever been wrong? <laughs> no, Tumblr's okay. never yeah. ever been wrong. How about we get into the episode? Because I'm <laughs> I'm running I'm running out of bit bit juice. All right, sure. Here's what I'll just say. I mm. would love to know where you guys are at. Well, do you know? Let's I'm get into in it Maryland, here. sitting at my desk. Okay, okay. What's your Josh? address? Josh? Okay, let's. Yeah, my Josh, address is six three two. Eat my butt lane. I take this back. Chapter fourteen. Badal and the snake continue their march from Acarius. She thinks of ghostly things, flies and butterflies, and claws. Kalava Onas is at the Kettle Azath house, thinking that Kettle was too weak to hold the house together. The gate is open. She thinks about the crippled god and how the gods will not answer his or mortals' suffering. The gate widens as the Azath continues to break apart. Gruntle feels Trake inside him as he walks through a city that had been ravaged by death and disease. He thinks on a life long lost to him and wonders what Perrin would do. Then he uses Trake's power to raise the people around him, offering them a, quote, better death. They take off into the night in the form of a tiger. Mappo reaches the glass desert and thinks about Hood's absence and how his life could have been different. He is overcome by a divers of flies, butterflies, and locusts. He is pinned to the ground before he hears the voice of Badal in his head, helping him banish the swarms. He tells her to be careful. Silchus Ruin gives Ryad Elase his hand-me-down sword and thinks about his objectively cooler and of mysterious prominence, Hust Sword. Ruin tells Ryad of a late blood being poison, Udinas and Saren Padak, and the last of the ancients that will be coming through the gate. Silchus reveals he is an ancient, and so was Menandere, but that Tiam's blood quickly becomes unpure. 
He suspects the Soul Taken will come fight the storm as well, but that Ryad is to remain hidden. Safe. Silchus tells Ryad to tell Udinas that he did what he promised, and that he regrets his haste with Kettle. Ublalapung has some fucked up dream about a past life or something. He's drunk in a tavern, and he has a son. Honestly, really unclear about it. Sorry to mess up the flow, it was just extremely wild. Ublala wakes up and makes some sex jokes and talks to Draconis about his equipment and fairness. Ruthen Good is met by Kalt Ermanal and Nam Kala on the outskirts of camp. They say they are deserters from Tool's army. They reveal that Tool didn't summon them. Olar Athiel did. Good interrupts with a shit after hearing Olar's name. He reveals Uragal, making the House of Chains whole once more. He thinks of the Fallen One's tale and how it will be a cipher for all time. Pores, Kindly, and Faradan Sort stand watch over Fist Blistig's water rations. They have yet to be broken into. Blistig orders Shelamasa to kill the Kundral horses as they're just dead weight. She tells him that they have been drinking the horse's blood. Hanavat arrives and they speak of the chain of dogs and Aaron. Then she tells him to leave. Gaul arrives, as does Fiddler, who tells Gaul that he needs to decide how he will face the end. And then Fiddler leaves. Gaul says he needs Hanavat to hate him. She says she knows. Lestara Yil and Hanar Vygolf watch Tavor leading the vanguard. The pair talk of a festival to the black-winged lord that involves a priestess quenching a lantern and cutting her own throat. The Bone Hunters and Bridge Burners are up to their regular shenanigans around camp. Fiddler thinks about letting go and doing what's right. His thoughts are in Whiskey Jack's voice. Okay, gang, we're into book five of this book, uh, which means that there's only two more left after these chapters, which is uh, a bit wild. I feel like we have only just started reading this, but I guess it it goes really quick when you split the book into seven books instead of just three or four or instead of just four, I guess. Uh, So at the top of this chapter, we are once again with the snake. We are with Badal. They have left Icarus and... There's some stuff happening. Pete, what do you think about all these scenes yep. with with Badal and the snake and and these these kind of ethereal images that Badal is always conjuring? Uh, we talked about we've talked about it in Dust of Dreams. And, you know, this is obviously like a recurring thing throughout. But I feel like in this book, we have a bit more of a basis for like how and why Badal is like feeling and thinking these things. So I'm just curious, like how this stuff is reading to you and and if it's if you're enjoying it more than you did maybe the first time if you r- recall that yeah i'm gonna counter the question okay. but i because here's what i want to say i will say i know that for me whilst i don't know if i like love badal as a character like mm. i don't know if i have a huge connection to her specifically i do feel like she's a somewhat i don't know i i, I don't know if i have a her experience i don't know if i can really relate to her that much but sure i find the poetry really interesting and the ideas around this section very cool mm. Um, And I do think there's just been a huge shift with how I 
have kind of interpreted or interacted with this storyline compared to the first time I read the book. And then actually the second time I read as well, this being the third. And I'm just and I also think there's a huge shift from, as you're saying, the beginning of Dust of Dreams to as you're learning more about this area, mm. these characters, and a little bit about the history and context around them. Yeah, because like in the beginning of Dust of Dreams, she's just like kind of a weird little girl. You know what I mean? And it's like she's just like, oh, well, maybe she's just like kind of going mad or whatever. But now it's, you know, we know that there is like a, a higher power, quote unquote, reason for for these, you know, thoughts and poems that she has. Yeah, I think for me, I don't know if it's that I, I think it's like because I don't think you're wrong, but I think for me, what's changed is I feel like there was a time when I was just like, OK, so there's just, you know, when like a random storyline gets introduced, mm. I feel like I'm somewhat like, OK, and <laughs> right. dot, dot, dot. Right, right, right. You know, I'm like waiting to understand how these things link together. And I think un- having that understanding has re- uh, really deepened. And especially in book 10, I've really resonated with the storyline more than in book nine. And I wonder if any of you feel like you've interacted with the the snake has changed from book nine to ten India. I do agree. I think once book 10 kind of started and I realized that um, the snake wasn't really going anywhere and we were just going to be with this, these, I guess, like, I feel like, how many would you say of this children? Three snake children that we like? The ones that we we hear talk to, yeah. I don't know. And I kind of like echo your sentiments, Peter. Like, I don't, I still don't feel, well, maybe your earlier sentiments. Like, I don't really feel connected to it and I don't really understand like where that storyline is like what the point of it is. Um, and I also don't care. Like it's just come a little too late for me to have any, um, mm. like let it have any skin in my, in my game here. Yeah. So really what, whatever these chapters come up, I really do take it as like a, like, and it's always in the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's always in the beginning. And it's just like, all right, let's just see what these kids are doing. And then we do. And then I'm like, all right, good. Thank these, God. Let's these move on. Kooky like, kids. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like at this point, like just routine for me, like we check in with them and then we move on. Mm. I'll say I do better now that I'm positive it's not all a metaphor. Because, <laughs> sure. you know, for a while there, at any moment, you it could have all been a dream or right. we're actually in a warren. We're inside of one of the jade crystals. At any moment, mm. I expected that. And I'm praying at this point that the end of this chapter is the hint that, hey, we're good. We can all, we know now we're cool everything's <laughs> this is real and happening yeah i'm curious about because bringing up a, a good point india of, of this stuff always like usually coming in the beginning of these chapters mm-hmm. um like we've started several chapters now with with badal and snake stuff i think 100 india's right yeah. and i'm curious now i can't really like make the mental connections currently but i'm curious if i were to do like a closer read of it maybe if i could like use these snake sections as like ciphers for the rest of the chapter you know what i mean like Mm. we bring up we do bring up like she brings up thirst and water here and you know talking about uh uh, i believe lies at some point and abandonment all that stuff and i'm curious if that's if if there's any like deeper thematic meaning there and i'm I'm sure there is i feel like all this stuff is like very these sections specifically are like very painted with a very thematic brush you know um like josh as you were saying like this stuff almost reads as just like it's a dream or like it is just metaphor you know yeah and i'm curious if 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 i were to do a closer read of the stuff like in through that lens how it would maybe change my interpretation of the rest of the book i guess i don't know just an interesting thought i think 
I guess we will really never know, AJ. Yeah, <laughs> I guess we um, won't know. Moving on, Josh, we are in a place that is both familiar and new at the Kettle Azath house oh, yeah. with Kalava Onas. What did you think about this uh, this scene with uh, Kalava standing at the gate talking about dragons and, and stuff? Ah, man, I don't truly know. When I read it, I was like, oh, that's right. Those people did go into Starvold Demolane and then open a hole into that from that Warren into here. And that's why we clicked. Like, I, I was like, yeah, I get how this is important now, but it's also very heady still. Um, yeah. Also, I feel like Kalava is somebody that is constantly punching above her own weight class in terms of like... I feel like I don't get a lot of interaction with her, but whenever I do, she's like holding the fate of civilization in her hands. <laughs> she's you know? always she always says something that completely rocks the foundation yes. that, that we've built uh, previously. Yeah, I yeah. totally agree. And I'm never like really 100 percent where her head's at, especially yeah. with what she does with Gruntle later. But like, yeah. so I guess I trust her and I guess it's cool that she's doing this. But I mean, who really knows at this point? Yeah. India, how do you feel about Kettle being killed to make this Azath house do its thing, but now the Azath house is just crumbling anyway, so it's like, what was the point of killing this little girl? You know what I'm saying? You know, I think we're all kind of fucking feeling that way. Especially her, especially her fucking killer himself. Yeah, fuck Zildjian. Um, <laughs> fucker. Well, he feels so, a little bad about it, you know? He does, he does feel, feel a bit regret. bad about it. You're right, you're right. He's like, I could have... I could have done something, I guess. I could have waited a little longer. Yeah. longer yeah. Listen, we've all killed a, t- a child in haste, all right? <laughs> yeah, prematurely. Who hasn't? Who hasn't is the real question. Yeah. So, no, I mean, what do you what do you even say? Like, mm. okay, I'm, I'm kind of... And at this point, too... <laughs> I'm just imagining so just for like, Poe body's nerfed. Like, <laughs> 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 I'm just kind of over the whole dead kettle thing at this point. I've mourned her. Um, so this was just kind of like wiping salt in my in my kind of clean wound at this point i totally agree i felt the exact same way we we came to the kettle azath and it was crumbling and i was like oh i have already, i have like grieved grieved the loss of this person yeah, and now it's like now we're but, but now that. we're bringing it back and it's like oh maybe this sacrifice wasn't really worth it at all and it's like oh well fuck me like i'm sad all over again now yeah um and I don't and obviously the the Azath being there has like stopped the gate from just like totally ripping open. So I don't want to like make it sound like it was like totally worthless and blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, Kettle could have been alive, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Even though she was like a dead a child. Was murdered. Child. Yeah. yeah it, it's Didn't she also just like have a forkle assail inside of her? That's factual. Yes. Yeah. That is factual. That could have been that could have been maybe bad. Oh, my God. Remember that? Remember that? That was crazy. Very <laughs> Yeah. So AJ, you mentioned the Gruntle stuff. Gruntle has a big hole. Gruntle goes on a journey. Yeah. Yeah, Josh, you, you bring up the, the Gruntle stuff in relation to Kalava Onas, which we'll get to later, but but what did you think about this whole Gruntle section? You know, once again, Gruntle being like, fuck you, Trake, I hate you. I'm gonna raise these fuckers from the dead. It's and then we're got gonna big I learned it from you, Dad energy. <laughs> uh <laughs> for me. Shit. Whoa. Yeah, uh, elaborate. <laughs> well, I mean, he's just like, con- he's just like, how dare you war? I don't know. I-, I didn't really give it much more thought beyond the joke, but like, sure. I just, I mean, look, look, I, you you make, you give me a guy who get tiger scar and raise dead warrior into live warrior to make big tiger. Yeah. I'm very happy with all of those consummate parts, you know? I, yeah. And, the, and I, I just, sometimes I wish 
he had a little bit more of that dog in him, you know, and was just kind of like owning that this is what he was doing and not like, mm-hmm. be, you know, being upset about it the whole time. But, you know, yeah, I feel like we've spent he's spent a lot of time being upset about it. You know, it's kind of time he comes to terms uh, yeah, with. at this point. Fucking <laughs> nut up, be a tiger and go kill somebody. <laughs> nut up, be a tiger. Yeah, I'm wow, curious. Josh. Josh, what do you do you think? I mean, staying staying with Gruntle for a moment. Do, do you think this city or town is the town where we left Felicin three or t- Felicin younger um, in Bone Hunters? It's a really good question. P- Paleel was the god that was killed. Yeah. Now uh, he spoke to me. These people did not sound like I agree. Uh, they did not sound like people from seven cities to me this sounded like an ancient peoples um but i would not shock me if it had something to do with fucking book six because we banished or killed palil or something and yeah you know i'm i'm sure there's a connection possibly there but i didn't really feel like seven cities to me personally Mm. yeah i i don't know i'm i i you say it's ancient but it he it does say the air stank and there were flies crawling on the corpses so to me that seems like not ancient ancient you know yeah like true semi-recent but also isn't palil dead and the play gone seven cities well yeah but those people all still died though right well yeah but to your point that was like fucking years ago months ago an indeterminate time ago <laughs> an you know they time wouldn't ago, still be yeah. smelling bad well i i think as we've discussed many times on the show we shouldn't take uh any time sort of like matter. calendar yes. date yeah time yes. isn't a super important factor here which i'm you know i'm fine suspending that but it does say palil was summoned so i i feel like that's a pretty i don't know i feel like we're supposed to catch on to that as like a thing i don't know anyhow any other thoughts about about gruntle here thinking about idkovian and perrin and and harlow pete india anything I have no thoughts. I could go on a huge gruntle tangent, mm. but I don't know if today's the day. But okay. I did we just want to share. have a couple days left. <laughs> it's true. Well, that is one thought. It's increasingly, and I don't know, we don't, we're going to have time to talk about it on. I do feel the pressure. I'm like, well, I have something to say. I got to say it about gruntle today, you know? <laughs> right. And here's what I'm going to say instead about, <laughs> here's what I'm going to say instead about Kalava. Okay. Who I feel like is a character I sometimes am just like, I don't know, not really tuned into, but fully agree wait is she gonna like you know how sometimes i just love random people you know i love oolog tugtail why <laughs> i don't know he's my guy you know you do and am you i, love am I gonna oolog become tugtail. a kalava stan mm. do you know what i mean like do i think kalava rules actually yeah i think i'm actually a huge kalava head i now. do think kalava does rule in some ways i think she's a very no-nonsense character and i do think there's something to be said for what josh said about every time she shows up she just fucking like turns everything upside down and then it's just like all right peace I love that energy. She's very cool. That's She's why very I'm interested. Cool. You know? Very cool. Yeah. Big older sister vibe, you know? Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Drives a convertible. <laughs> okay. Speaking of cool, Mappo gets to the desert, does some thinking. That's very sad. But then he uh, is attacked by the divers in the desert uh, and then dispels them uh, with the help of Bidal. I, I think that part is sick. Uh, I think it's awesome. Such a cool section. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm curious, India. <laughs> I No, okay. you know I don't. You All know. Right. Uh, you don't care about Mappo, India? I hate Mappo. <laughs> That's partly why I came to you for the device. Wow. Okay, fine, fine, fine. I know, I know you're so sick of him just being sad about Icarian. <laughs> well, you know what? But now That's he's a very also fair sad point. about like, he's also sad about like what does death mean now that Hood's gone? Yeah, you know? literally. Literally. How, how are you? Fe- how are you feeling about our big sad son? Oh, 
my God. When does it end? Sure. Honestly, when does it mm. end? It's so annoying. Just give this man a carium and let him just complain about his life forever and being a good, bad friend mm. and whatever. I'm so over it. The divers, divers. Mm-hmm. Those were cool. Mm-hmm. I do think that was very cool. They're always kind of cool. Yeah. I do think it's like as sad as we've seen Mappo over these last couple of books, I think he is really in some pits of despair here where he's thinking like, well, I might as well. Like, it's a good thing I never like met anybody and like fell in love or anything because then I would die and they would be sad. So like nobody should ever fall in love ever because everybody just ends up sad. And it's like Mappo, my man, just he just needs a hug so bad. He I think. really needs a hug. Yeah. Yeah, that that section's intense. You're like Mappo buddy. He's so You do learn a lot of cool lore about um Icarius. Is that that's the name of the city? That is yeah, the name of the that's city. this section, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he talks about uh uh no, that's that's later when he when he's in the he's seeing like the shades of Badal and and the rest of them and she like tells the story about yeah, them yeah, yeah, leaving yeah. and he's You're like that's right. not how it happened. So we'll we'll get there, but that is also very cool. And so finally, Josh, we see the aftermath of Silchus Ruin coming back with this sick sword and being like, hey, here's my shitty scimitars. Yeah. What'd you what'd you make of this whole Silchus Ruin Riad blood of the Elaine? We get Tiam in here. We talk about the ancients. Uh, we, we, we get a whole there's so much exposition about like what the elder gods are up to. OK, is this for me? You said this is for you. Yes. OK. I think it is such a such an incredible choice for Steve to make that dragons have such fucking cool, sick, badass lore, but you only get to find out about it in chapter 14 of the last book of the series. <laughs> yeah. Because um, yeah. it really recontextualizes any dragon we've ever seen mm. uh, in a way. And... Hey, also, why do all people have TM be like, or a very similar name, be like the god of dragons? What's the, wasn't that like the name of the one in D&D? Well, the one in D&D is Tiamat. And if I had to yeah. guess, it was when they were making Malazan, they were maybe playing a D&D and they were like, well, let's take this and they change the name. They were playing GURPS, AJ, well, I know they and played, you know I, that. I know they played GURPS, but did they not start in AD&D? I'm going to guess it's also just similar. I also think there's a real thing called It's Tiamat, a Mesopotamian primordial goddess ah. of the sea or oh, a Swedish metal band. And honestly, with Steve, 50-50. 50-50, yeah. Um, no, I thought it was a very interesting section. Um, and, like, I'm glad I have a reason to give a shit about Riyadh now. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, this this journey with the two of them, I was really worried was going to be, like, I don't know. And I thought it was going to be building up to him being very, very important. And I'm glad it's more just, like, oh... Well, he's pretty powerful and we need to account for him in the in the stuff to come. He's not he's like just a, kind of a number. He's not like yeah. a book 10 fucking MacGuffin, you know, right. it doesn't seem like. So I like that. And I would if we never saw Riyadh again until like the Elaine come mm-hmm. fine, easy, yeah. good with it. Yeah, I, I didn't even consider that that angle of him not being like a chosen one figure. He just is like I, a, I was another really dragon. worried. I was very worried that it was something about that. Um, yeah, well, I mean, we've we saw his like we, we've we've seen Ryad's story from the very yeah. beginning, you know, so it's like it wouldn't be totally out of the question for him to like be this kind of, I guess, for lack of a better phrase, like Messiah figure, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Uh, uh, just like us following him through what? five books it's been um, a minute 
Yeah. Uh, um, but, but I do, I do agree that, that it's, it is kind of interesting that he is just like, well, no, you're not super, but you're special because you're a, you can, you can turn into a dragon, but you're not really special beyond that. And it would be nice to f- be fighting one less dragon. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, which is, is just really interesting. Pete, was there anything else? Three, in, or, sorry. Three books. Was it three? No, I thought it doesn't, we no, met it's, it's we, Midnight we, Tides, isn't it? It's been a minute. Doesn't he show? Doesn't he show up in seven? I think in Midnight Tides. No, we see. We see. I guess. Oh God, who is it? Somebody meets up with the Talani Mass when Ryad's a baby. Yes, and they're like, "We're taking care of this oh, child." Yeah, uh, you're right. You're I don't right. remember who. Anyway, is sorry. That, like Absalar yeah, and Crocus, I, yeah, yeah. maybe. That's when we also meet Sandalith, right? Like that's all kind of a similar. I'm gonna look. I'm gonna Google it, sure. but you can move on. I'm sure. Good. India, do you have any feelings about all this dragon stuff, or, or did did you did you grab onto any of it, or was it all just kind of too much? Because <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> it was fine. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely a lot. I didn't. So I didn't necessarily hate it. I was curious though, from like a perspective, like of because I know once we read or watched what movie did we watch, Peter? For the Patreon. Lord of Evil the Rings? Dead, Lord of the Rings, Krampus. It was Lord of the Rings. Mm. It was Lord of the Rings. Is that, were there elves in that? Yes. Yes. So from there, I kind of started to, so when we started watching that, that's when I started to realize, oh, a lot of these um, books have like similar things. Sure. Just with like different sure. names. Sure. So then I thought to myself, dragons. Mm. Dragons are in a lot of things. And then I was thinking, and th- this is like how my ADHD brain <laughs> works. Um, so then I'm thinking for you guys, when you read about like the dragons in here and hear that, like the, the dragon lore, yeah. is it like standard or uh, is it like really different than what you would read in like another series? No, I wouldn't say so. I would say a lot of the time dragons are kind of this like mythological force. Um, and so in that way, I would say it's similar, but in terms of like the specifics of how they work and, and function, I, I guess kind of Lord of the Rings or I guess the Hobbit more specifically has like kind of a, a conniving dragon and they're like, you know, if there was another one, they would maybe backstab each other. I don't really know. But Game of Thrones had dragons. Game of Thrones had dragons, yeah, I, which I think I, were more I, just like animals. They didn't talk. Right. Yeah. They were not people. Yeah. I, I, f- I feel that to the extent that Malazan is riffing on parts of fantasy fiction, I feel like it doesn't it. You know, these types of dragons are you can see other where and are somewhat, you know, this is like there are places in Malzahn that I feel like are are like way doing way weirder stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's not like this is the most stereotypical dragon ever, but it's also not like the most outlandish yeah. creation in the setting, I feel. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, 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 Josh, you're playing a lot of WoW right now. The dragons in World of Warcraft, I feel, are, are like pretty uh, like duplicitous and stuff, right? Yeah, I, mean, I think the whole new expansion well, is about Well, it depends that. on the dragon, am yeah, I right? I mean, if we're talking AJ. about like the green dragons of the dreams, they have some pretty chill guys. You know, I hang out in the dream? Hang out in the dream with the green right. dragons. Wait, let's move. Uh, no, I think that's a very interesting uh, thing to bring up, India. I think that's important to remember that this this series is when we talk i feel like we haven't talked about the postmodern elements of this series for a a while postmodern yeah is that something people like say about this thing much the series yeah 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 is that something really is that an element of this (laughs) yeah i think uh josh maybe i actually have to go guys (laughs) yeah no that's the right choice get out while you can um uh all right india i'm gonna stick with you for a sec what the fuck do you think about all this ublala stuff he has a dream where he's got a son and he's like drunk and uh that happens 
<laughs> and then and then he wakes up and is like, I love having sex and I'm going to just keep annoying. I'm just going to keep annoying women into banging me. That's how this works, right? I mean, it worked this time. It did work. I'm not saying it didn't work. I'm just saying that's what he that's what happened in this section. Uh, do you have any feelings about this Ubala stuff? End? Um, not really. Ubala, I think, is just like silly yeah um but also like but also now like a little bit like weird like i feel like some of like the ublala and relata stuff is just like a little like borderline uncomfortable mm. and uh yeah i don't know no i didn't have any thoughts on that i yeah kind of skipped over it sure yeah i would say ublala's uh behavior kind of generally is not like super uh, uh, appropriate you know but I don't think yeah. Draconis He's is silly. really there. I don't think Draconis is really there to police that behavior at all. But they they do talk a little bit about his mace and his armor and whatnot, uh, which is fun. And then we head over for the end of this chapter. We are kind of just hanging out once again with the boys. They're back. Uh, still talking about water. Is there anything from this uh, like pours kindly conversation, Josh, that you feel like? really grabbed you at all they were talking about the 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 water uh rations at blistig's tent and all this yeah stuff. there's there's a there's a few scenes in a row here in the malazan camp that are very very tense oh, i skipped the, i skipped the ruth and good part my bad you're fine there, there's a few scenes and, and they're pretty they're pretty tense um oh yeah you should definitely go back to that in a second but yeah, um know, yeah yeah but um yeah i i'm very curious about the state of things i'm really worried because like these competent good people are like, oh, it's fine. He's not tapped into the rations, but like there is some stuff. There are descriptions of people later in the chapter who are um, definitely part of the um, the Blistig crew who are described as looking like healthy or like better yeah. than expected. So then I'm like, okay, are they missing it? Like, are they tapping in the rations? They don't realize this. So I'm, I'm worried that they're like misinterpreting something mm -hmm. because I do want these people to all live and to do so, they're going to need some water. Yeah, I definitely uh, I definitely totally agree. Uh, I totally skipped over the Ruth and Good section. That's my bad. He is hanging out. He meets up with some of the Unbound Talani Mass, uh, uh, mm. summons Urigal, and then they're like, the House of Chains is complete. Uh, and then we once again get uh, another interpretation of the Book of the Fallen being a cipher uh, for all time. Pete, do you like this stuff? What do you think? <laughs> Lo love this stuff, of course. Yeah. Um, how could you not? Yeah. And you know I've gone on the record of now uh, who doesn't support the Unbound? Am I right? <laughs> who doesn't support? So you you're just you're a you're a bonehead, I'd say. You know, you're a real bonehead. I real bonehead, and I got a real moment. I got a real hot take in a sec. But wait. I'm curious uh, how how you guys felt about all the. Here, wait, I've got a sound effect. For anything? That. Any you're a real bonehead. Oh, wow. <laughs> anything? Uh, anything stand out to you about this interaction with the Unbound or the Ruth and Good stuff, AJ? Um, yeah, I mean, I was I, I, I was trying to think about it honestly. Um, I, I think it's interesting to on like a high level when they're like, yeah, um, Olar Thiel summoned us and he doesn't even let them finish that sentence. Uh, I think that's pretty telling uh, that they have met sometime in the past and we know that uh, I forget who called him elder. So we know there's some sort of elder something if it's like elder of a clan or he's an elder God. And I more and more, I'm believing he is some sort of elder God because I do believe the elder gods also reference him. I think I could be totally mistaken, but I am interested in the House of Chains being completed again um, and really 
here and then when anybody whenever we're at the shore and anybody's talking about like the being the queen of dark and all this stuff like high house dark etc etc i'm like where's perrin i want i want my boy perrin to come back and i want him to start doing cool stuff with the cards again that's that's really i think a lot of what these sections make me think after the fact is just like where's our boy you know where's he where's he Mm -hmm. at all right here's what i want to share it's been on my mind i just i have decided i just the fist ballistic stuff has been really hitting for me. You know, I what agree. I agree. What do you mean it's been hitting, Pete? I just feel like sometimes in these ser- in in the books, I feel like there are these characters who I just like can't really connect to. Mm. You know, and they're acting so like they're just saying insane stuff in these insane <laughs> scenarios, and I just don't really, I can't really connect. Fist blistic to me, I'm like, I totally get what this sure. guy's going through. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like it's, and it's not like it support what he does necessarily. And it's like, I feel like it's like when Crocus is making all these huge fuck ups and I'm sitting on the sideline like. That's so real, dude. <laughs> yeah. Totally get it. I totally get what this guy's doing, yeah, you know? And I guess seeing Fist Blistic just acting like kind of a selfish piece of shit in a way, or just having all of these struggles, I don't know, whatever you want to say. Um, like kind of not being able to understand or, or, or kind of rejecting Tavor's call. Mm. I don't know. It's just like, it's so, it seems very human relatable to me. Mm. And I feel very, uh, I don't know, drawn in by these passages. Sure. Josh, you were also hot on the ballistic stuff. I just think it's such a real fucking thing. Yeah. And I think it's a really grounded part of these books, like this mm. kind of human turmoil. And I really like it. Yeah. Which I would say is not a thing we see super often in the soldiers stuff. Like despite these stories being really small, I feel like the problems they have are always kind of a, a little bit on the absurd side, you know, uh, in well, some way. It's very big scale. They're very large problems. Yeah. A lot of the times. Yeah. Um, and I totally agree. This is like, a, well, we're like thirsty and we need to survive and drink. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. Truly, he does think he has the best interest of himself and his people at heart. Um. And I think mm. he's asking a natural question that, of course, I, I don't know. I've asked a lot of my life. Who the fuck are you? What the fuck's going on? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Which is so funny, I think, considering Tavor has made such an effort to like, well, not Tavor specifically, I guess, but like the bridge burners and the bone hunters to like kind of democratize the like ownership of the, the oh, 100%. Their, their group. You know what I mean? I think it's interesting for Blistig to like still kind of take that issue with authority or whatever. Um, I think it's interesting because it's like in some we're, we're told sometimes like, oh, well, yeah, there is no real hierarchy in the in the bone hunters. We can all kind of do whatever we want. But then we're seeing Blistig year and we're all like, oh, well, this fucking guy, you know, why can't he just why can't he just do what he's told, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think that's kind of interesting. What else is also pretty interesting is that <laughs> they've been giving the horses water and drinking their blood. Um, that's fucking wild. Indy, oh. What do you think about that stuff? But I mean, less less specifically about the drinking the blood, but just this this Shellamasa Hanavit uh, Gaul like moment. Who is Gaul, and why has he he killed his he killed his own children? Well, okay, so he that's how he sees it. Gaul was the leader of one of the burned tears like groups or whatever. Um, that his children were stationed in, I believe, mm-hmm. um, in some capacity, and he sent them off to battle, and they all died. And so then he was all very upset about that. I don't know if you remember in the, I don't remember if it was early in this book or late in last book, where his son's wife was trying to get Gaul to sleep with her. Yeah, 
And now that has happened and everybody's like, I can't believe you're doing this, Gaul. And this is part of why Fiddler shows up and is like, yo, you need to get your shit together. I don't care what's going on, but, you know, we have to decide. You have to decide how you're going to move on with your life from this. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like a porn. Kind of like a porn. I guess you could say that. One could argue. I guess you could say that. I didn't say that, but <laughs> I didn't not say it. I'm not disagreeing. No. Uh, that's... Well, I did not say it. Let the record show. <laughs> sure. I thought it sounded kind of like you said it, Peter. Interesting. We <laughs> anyway. Our voices sound very similar. <laughs> India, so I get that. Yeah. Um, no. Um, but yeah. So, yeah, so Gaul has this whole moment with Hanavat where he's like, I, Hanavat, who is his wife, um, who is like, I need you to hate me because like, and he doesn't say this part, but he's like, because I hate myself so much. <laughs> I need you to also hate me so that I can kind of, you know, do with it, whatever. And she just does not cop to that. But anyway, how do you feel about all this inner inner family drama, all this stuff? This is probably well, if only I understood it, mm. um, it would have hit harder because it actually sounds pretty fucking interesting. I always I usually do like feel like I resonate also with the scenes that are less um like that are more like just mundane things going on. Mm-hmm. But this I don't really think I did. Mm. Uh, and I don't know why. I don't know if it's just like getting to like the end of a chapter and you're just like, right, let's keep going. Sure. But this didn't at like, I just, I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I thought I, that he killed his sons. And then I was like, well, that's fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I do. I, I do get what you're saying because there is something like, I really loved Gaul's story in dust of dreams. We get that great scene with him talking about how much he loves his wife and loves his family. I think that's a great setup for where we've ended up, but something about the Gaul scenes in this book have me feeling similarly of like, all right, yeah, let's move forward past this, you know? And I, I'm not, I'm not, I can't put my finger on exactly what it is. Um, but I, I think I can totally get why this stuff isn't grabbing you despite it sounding like it's kind of your vibe in, in the series, you know? Yeah. But maybe something that is a little bit more your vibe. Uh, Lestara Yill and Henar Vigolf are hanging out. Uh, talking about, once again, talking about Tavor and, and her feelings and all this stuff. Uh, and then we get this whole conversation about the Festival of Blackwing Lord that involves a priest quenching a lantern and cutting their throat, which is surely not foreshadowing or any sort of metaphor, simile, or anything. Do you have any, any feelings about the, this conversation between uh, our favorite couple here? I just need them to um, probably just like chill out and don't I don't I don't know who's gonna I don't know who that's targeting maybe Tavor I don't really Tavor is a sister killer so I don't care but I like Lestara mm-hmm. and I like her man and I like their little situationship sure yeah and then finally we end off Hedge does some nicknaming of the munitions as kittens that's pretty funny um the bone hunters and bridge burners are up to up to their stuff uh, and then we 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 end off on Fiddler, but I was just curious, Pete, was there anything before this final Fiddler section that that grabbed you? Um, nothing. Um, nothing in particular. No. And so then finally, uh, we arrive at Fiddler, thinking about letting go and doing what's right, and he hears Whiskey Jack's voice in his head. Josh, do you think those are just his thoughts, or do you think that's actually Whiskey Jack? Oh, I think it's just his thoughts. You know. Mm, yeah. But what? But listen, what if it was? What if it was actually just Whiskey Jack? Well. You know, death doesn't matter in this series, so, like, it could be, you know? <laughs> Jesus. Fucking who cares? Okay, Josh. <laughs> um, okay, well, before we move on, I did just want to share I, two things that quick came to my mind, AJ. Please. Number one, I don't know why, but the soldier stuff, I sometimes, I know I've complained about it before, just met, said that I just, it hasn't connected with me. Mm. I feel like recently in this book, I feel like it really has felt like 
in chapters like this. When I'm on these all these other desperate rogue storylines, I'm like not that into it. But then when it, we come back to the army, I feel very drawn in and engaged, mm. you know? Yeah. yeah. And I also just want to shout out, I know I was kind of talking about how the Malatans are talking about and specifically how their uh, military structure is talked about. I, we, I had some great conversations over email and on Discord about it. So I just want to shout those out. It's very interesting to talk to people about I don't know, just different aspects of military stuff, which is something I'm not too familiar with. So yep. um, that's all for me. Uh, time to thank everyone who supports us on Patreon. Yeah. And a very special and warm and loving thank you to our our new patrons and kindest friends, oh. Robert and Emma. Our kindest friends. Wow, that's, a, that's a new one. Yeah, I don't know. It just it felt right. It felt right. Robert and Emma, it felt right. Yeah, I think uh, you're legally obligated to, if if you're not uh, kind, um, you have to let us know uh, or it's entrapment. So, <laughs> Preach. <laughs> Message us at 10 Very Big Books. <laughs> yeah, the tweet, tweet or email us 10 Very Big Books uh, at Gmail uh, if you're not kind. Uh, thank you to everybody who has backed us on Patreon. We are almost to $800 a month uh, at the time of the recording. Uh, and it would really be great for us to hit that milestone, period. That's all I got. Thank you so much. I would really, We would really love to, do, to, to hit 800 a month. Shall we move on? Let's move. Let's move. Chapter 15. Atri Preda Yantovis, also known as Twilight, and her people are still holding back the Leosin invasion. She thinks how Yedin has changed her people and the legends that will be told of him. She watched her brother decapitate a dragon with his laughing hust sword. Yedin turned to his people to rally them, but Jan Tovis saw that he did not believe they are home. Aperol Forge wonders when Kadigar Fant will send the elites through Lightfall as they look over the corpse of Iparth Irul. He thinks back on Kalor's visit to the throne room in the distant past. Kalor came to offer up his life and spoke of selfishness, blame, and vengeance. The king denied Kalor the death he wanted. Kadigar Fant interrupts Forge's thoughts, and they talk about hus swords, and that they will wait until only Yedan remains before sending all twelve dragons through the gate. Sandalis sits on her throne and thinks of Rake's Hust Legion. Withel falls asleep at Sandalith's side and speaks with Mother Dark. They talk of Sandalith's past and children. He wakes and sees Sandalith crying on her throne and tells her that she's losing herself to the ghosts in this place. She pledges to burn Carcanus to the ground. The Hounds of Light enter the battlefield. Jan Tovis is knocked unconscious and Pithy is killed. Yedan is the only one to successfully dispatch the hounds. He senses dragon sorcery and enters Lightfall, killing another hound and chucking its head toward the Leosin before heading back to the shore. The Leosin think they are facing an entire Hust Legion. Pithy dies and Brevity remembers how their lives had changed once the Malazans arrived. Yedan emerges and is told about Pithy and Twilight. He tells Brevity to take Pithy's body and await his call. Aperol is watching the elites prepare to march. He thinks their lord shall be their very own ragdoll, left to the world once they are all gone. 
Charles, a soldier Yantovis had dismissed earlier, is at Twilight's side when she wakes. Twilight sees that the witches had used her blood for power to hold back the hounds. She wishes to go to Sandalith and throw their crowns to the ground, but she knows she cannot. All the lives lost must mean something. She runs sand through her hands, our entire history, right here. Big chapter for Lightfall stuff. Pete, how you feeling? Great chapter. Great chapter. India's shaking her head no. What's what uh what didn't you yeah, what didn't no. you like about this end? I hate the the light people. I hate I'm over it. Jan Tovis and fucking whatever her name is. Sandalith? Twilight. All 15 million fucking names. <laughs> I'm over it. I'm over it. It's confusing and I don't like it and I don't get it. Mm. Oh, it's too many of the same type of people mm. doing on opposite sides. And I just don't tune in enough to understand it. And it's frustrating because mm. it's the end of the fucking book <laughs> and I still don't get it. Yeah. Is there anything specific that we could maybe try and clear up? You know what? Yeah, sure. Let's think. Let's do it. Who are the people? So there's the shore, the shore. Yes. Sure. Sure. Nice. Sure. The light people are in this are are how what is that? Where are so, they? So there's a big and how do they get through? There's a big portal. And okay, yeah, sorry. Keep going. No, no. Yeah, actually, we'll take it step by step. Sure. There's a big portal. Yes. So there's a big portal where the, the Tisleosian, the, the light people, are coming through to the shore to then fight uh the shake. Who are also Tistian. So they're storming. Yes. They're storming the shore. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Why haven't they done this before? Why now? What is going on? Mm. Well, I was just going to say, I think the, the why is also a bit lost to me. I, I think I maybe just have, have forgotten exactly what the circumstances were that started this uh, gate opening and everything. Josh? Uh, well, it, I what I understand is that it opened before. I just think there's a new king who's the guy that we keep seeing and he wants to fight the war that got fought a long time ago. And I think Osirk didn't want to fight that war, which is why that they haven't tried this in so long. Right. And so I think this new guy got influenced by, I don't know, the crippled God maybe, but we also know that he, he definitely got influenced by Kalor and something broke within him. And he is deciding he needs to attack the Tisti Andy at Carcanus. And so he has assembled the might of the Tisti Leosian to assault the, the wall where it's weakest, which is assumedly Lightfall, and he's doing so with these dragons. And probably no one's done that for a long time because it's very risky, including the risk of like, hey, if you're a dragon for too long, you fucking go crazy. Um, I will say, Josh, kind of got the gist of it. Um, it. I think what's a little tough is it's set up in that initial scene with the, the very, Tisti very Leosian. first scene, like of this book or something, but right? Both. There's in- so introduces- much there introduces those characters the conflict the storyline and their motivation it's a lot it's it's a a a lot's going on in that scene so yeah yeah it's really confusing i thought the dragons are only tisty andy or yeah that's what i thought no i think that's what i thought no generally the the tisty people or the 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 tisty andy and the tisty leosian have soul taken among them uh which means they can turn into they have elate blood they have the blood of tiam which is also the the word that keeps coming up um and that's how they can turn into dragons and what about the middle people the eater 
I don't believe I don't believe we've seen any eater transform, right? Pete is shaking. Interesting. Head. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Osiric. Yeah. Osiric. Does he have a son. He has a son, Laoric, I think, from House of Chains and Bone Hunters. Um, can I just say I I was really, really happy in this part of the chapter because uh-huh. my weird uh, called shot from the two epi- one episode or two episodes ago was correct that they've sent zero actual soldiers through oh, and it's yeah. just been the fucking masses. Yeah, that was a nice catch. Yeah, with the that was, that was axe, a Josh. great call shot. Yeah. Mm. Well, I just kind of figured if they've got dragons, their soldiers probably aren't dog shit um, and should <laughs> manage to kill the ragtag people on the shore. Yeah. So. Who are the people on the shore? The people on the shore are the Sheikh, who are also Tisty Andy. <laughs> mm, who have Tisty Andy-like like, thin he, blood in them. And there's also yeah. a bunch of Letheri from that prison island that uh, we were in a few books ago. With Shirk and all that. Yeah. And why do we call them the Sheikh? Because that's what their people are called. That's what they are, yeah. We don't really know okay. where that name came from. That's uh, like um, the Blue Rose. If you remember the Blue Rose from I do. Midnight Tides, they are like... I mean, Hargolf Fanel is a Blue Rose. Who is? Hargolf Fanna. Hanar Vigolf. That's what uh, I said. <laughs> I was like, what is this name? <laughs> okay, good. I, I um, had a ha yeah. and a v. <laughs> they're, they're the descent. They're, they are like descended from the Eater line. Um, that's Andy, kind of what the Andy Sheik line, are. Not Eater, Andy. The Blue Rose? Oh, sorry. The Blue Rose are descended from the Andy line, but the Sheik are also descended from the Andy line. Yes. Uh, um, in some way. I really thought about it. I feel like Skemendari Blood Eye is the only Tisty Eater soul taken I can think of. Sure. And we did uh, 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 last chapter ruin Silver's ruin did say that Tiam's blood gets unpure pretty quick. So maybe it's something to do with that. I don't know. Or maybe, hey, maybe just Scabandari blood. I didn't fuck, you know. OK, I'm just saying he was the only one who could he transform and he didn't fuck. Yeah. Um, uh, India, does that clear up some of your confusion? Yeah, I'd say. Yeah. So to get more into the specifics now that we've kind of laid uh, some of the groundwork, hopefully. Yantovis is on on the shore. She's fighting. Uh, and it's yeah. Josh, it's not going great. Yeah, I've often said if your leader has to rush into battle suddenly for morale purposes, it <laughs> probably means something's gone horrifically wrong. Yeah. And how do you feel about that? Uh, how do you feel about your call shot being confirmed with that context of like, it's so bad that Yantovis has to go down, but then we head into the other side of Lightfall and they're like, yeah, we should probably send our soldiers soon. Yeah, I mean, how you feeling? I feel, well, first off, great, because I love being right, because I'm a fucking egoist. <laughs> sure. Secondly, um, I guess how I feel is, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of how to put this into words, like, I didn't really feel like they had a chance without some sort of deus ex machina. And I now definitely feel that way. Yeah. So do you feel like this deus ex machina could just be fucking yet and being a fucking sick swordsman? Well, listen, that is always an option. Uh, Yeah. Dude rips. But um, literally rips heads right off. Yeah, he does. He does. I don't know what the deus ex machina is other than can I give another called shot? Please. Well, I mean, all the Andy left fucking, uh, you know, the place, um, Black Coral. So mm-hmm. where else would we be going if not here to like show up on the shore at the last second and have fucking Namander like lead his people into battle and then accept the shake into their own. And that's like God. the thing that like heals the wound. Yeah, that's a name I've forgotten. <laughs> But Josh, I think that's 
pretty close to how I also feel, especially with Sandalith and uh, uh, yeah, Withal kind of like having. Well, this and whole Amanda would be with... so hyped to show up and be like, "You're queen now, fuck yes!" Like that's exactly <laughs> what he would want. Yeah. Or uh, what's that? <laughs> King and queen. Well, who's kissing? Amanda and Sandalith. Oh, they can't because Withal's there. Well, yeah. maybe Withal and Amanda. You know, no shame. Yeah, I get maybe. <laughs> Is Withel king of the Tisty Andy? I don't think it works like that. What's the what uh, was what was what's his face called that was married to the queen? What's that called? The king the con, king's, king's consort, consort, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it's just kind of a figurehead position more so. Uh, so like I said, we see Yedan cut off ahead with the Hus sword, and uh, Twilight's very worried about it, about it. On the other side of Lightfall, uh, Pete, how do you feel about this? this Kalor like reveal that he has talked to the Tistiliosian. Like, was that when I heard this, I think I was, I was like, Oh fuck. Like anytime Kalor comes up in terms of like these ancient civilization conversations, I'm like, well, yeah, this makes sense. But I'm also like, Oh my God, he was here too. I'm just curious if you feel similarly to, to me in that respect. I love Kalor and I love what he represents. So anytime he shows up in the story, I have fun. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about this? We were all responsible for my wife's uh, suicide because we didn't love her enough. How do you feel about that? Um, <laughs> I think it's a pretty toxic framing, uh-huh. I would say. Kalor? Toxic? Okay, I would say maybe there's a little bit in which I can understand where he's coming from. (laughs) I can understand what he's saying. Mm -hmm. However, I don't really know if I agree with how he's saying it, but I do think it's uh, you you can really feel the the kind of resentment or I don't know, the pain in him there. Um, I also think it's just interesting to see the lotion more. And I also just want to shout out uh, the Hust. Oh, okay, just random thoughts on my mind. Uh, okay. The Hust Legion, very cool. Yeah. Cool to hear so more I about it. I want to talk and about it, them so bad. Um, and then it's also cool with all the, I don't know, all, I just still love the Sandalith stuff. So, mm. so random, just random thoughts I want to share. Yeah. Also, okay, not to jump to the end, rest in peace. Am I right? Rest in peace, yes. India, I'll come to you in a second, but Josh, what did you think about the Hust Legion? The cool, again, such a cool fucking reveal for book 10 is that these Tisty Andy just like strapped up with arms and armor that screamed and laughed maniacally and broke (laughs) their brains. And they were like, all right, well, we're going to go kill all the dragons now or (laughs) seal the gate with our dying breath. Yeah, the, the last five of you have to seal the gate. Fucking that was rock fucking star. Brutal, dude. How are you? Fe- how did you feel about this withal dream with Mother Dark um, talking about Sandalith's uh, like destiny or whatever? Um, and then the, the follow up with Sandalith crying and being like, I, I kind of losing herself uh, in her in her dreams, I guess, or in her, her thoughts. Uh, how are you? How are you feeling about our favorite power couple, which is the second time I've said that about a different couple in the episode. Yeah, you know, I empathize with Sandalith. Hmm. Um, I just, I don't know. I thought she was really annoying for a while and like kind of like, I don't know what the word I'm trying to say is because hmm. at the end of the day, I am a feminist. Um, okay. Okay. So, in fact, she's perfect. Oh, I but, see. That's good. Correct. Correct. Good call. <laughs> wow. Thanks for, thank you for validating me. Um, <laughs> I really needed that. Um, 
Andy, yeah, if but... I could just cut in here for a moment. Yeah, please, um... actually. Does anybody else want to cut in? I just don't even know what I'm talking about. Yeah, well, India, <laughs> can we interrupt you for a second? Let me, just... let me let Pete finish yeah, first. I think I can figure out what you're trying to say, and I'll help you get there. <laughs> I think what you mean is... <laughs> God. Sorry. Um, no, it was amazing. Okay. No, I, I do feel for her, though, because I, I, didn't, I don't think I realized, um, like, how deeply she had to like they had, had to like feel things and experience things in her mind um did you guys know that like that she's been just like i don't know are they like visions like what is what what is in her head yeah i think it's like those dreams that aren't dreams that we always see you know what i mean she's also like, these are her memories you know like she's that's true too a yeah. lot of us is that yeah, so I just I feel um I feel it, I felt like it was a really sad, very real moment for mm. a very strong character. Mm. Yeah, um, I, I, she like fully breaks down in this scene. Uh, she says they're all dying with on the shore. They're all dying. She's like finally, I don't know, coming to terms with like she is on this throne and like it's her job to like lead these people or whatever. Right. But they're they, she's basically led them to their death in some ways, even though she didn't really even lead them here. But. She's well, yeah, yeah, and this whole like her and um Twilight both being like, fuck this, I don't want to do it. I'm done whenever it's over. Right. And now her just kind of being like, Wow, yeah, this kind of this is this is rough. This is rough. Yeah, it's um, like oh, it was this really is impactful. It was very sad. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I hadn't even thought about Sandalith being this kind of like stoic figure for the rest for the for the previous scenes. Like we've seen her, we 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 had seen her and Withal you know, have their fight about all this stuff. And uh, and she's, you know, argued with uh, Twilight about not really wanting the throne or whatever. But like the only emotions we've really seen out of her up until this point, I think, have been like they've had a, at least a tinge of like anger in them. Where Whereas here she is like, like you said, India, just like fully broken down and just being very like real. You know, she's just like, fuck, what am I supposed to do here? They're dying, you know, uh, it's a it's a great moment. I, I really I really like it. Uh, speaking of dying, speaking um, of dying, Jesus, the hounds of light come through and they wreck shit. Pithy gets her back bitten off or something. Uh, is that is that is that what happened? I don't fully. Uh, it was one of those things that was just kind of so brutal. I was like, man, I don't know. That, that but her death scene sad. Really sad. Yeah. yeah. What did uh, what what was what was sad about it for you, Pete? I don't know. It's just well written. Yeah. And the last line's very sad. <laughs> And it made me uh, rest in peace, you know, rest in peace. That's all I've got. Yeah. Anybody else have any feelings about uh, Pithy's death and, and this this hound hound assault? I didn't John. think I would be sad about it, but I really was. Yeah, I think I thought I, her her short character arc has been really good. Yeah, I, I, I think I agree. It was like totally not out of nowhere because we've known who Pithy and Brevity were, but like getting Pithy as this. Yeah. POV through all of this, I think. Yeah, has, I think in the last really few chapters, me. like just exploded for me. Like, yeah, such a it really just been really good. Nothing else to say. Just fantastic. Yeah, it's true. At last, it's true. I was a soldier. Mm. Sad. So Very sad. sad. And then, uh, Ed and Derek wreck some more shit, and the uh, Leosian get ready to send their elites through. Um, and Aperol Forge is finally, I guess, like seeing the end. Uh, like, well, this is our final push. And then if this doesn't go well, then everybody's dead. And I guess mm -hmm. this is kind of just our lot. That sucks for them. Uh, Josh, do you feel bad for Aperol Forge? Do you think, uh, do you um, think there's, well, I, let me do ask I you feel this, bad for, Do I feel bad for hmm. someone that watches as a mass murderer does his thing and sort of 
commits genocide but feels conflicted because they were childhood friends and knows that the, the mass murder is good on the inside and that you know it's better for me to be alive to do damage control to speak out yeah no i not a yeah. lot not a lot yeah well so that leads me to the question i was i, I had a, a kind of backed my way into but do you think he will end up doing anything to stop this do you think the 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 killing blow comes from the from behind for Kadigar Fant. Do you think it's going to be Aperol Forge to like sacrifice himself in this final in a final? I think it's more likely that it's Aperol Forge who veers into a drag and ends up being the one that gets killed by the Husk Sword to close the fall. I think that would be more appropriate for him. Uh, he's going to be the final. And maybe five. he does it on purpose. You know, maybe yeah. he chooses to be the thing that closes Light Fall. That would be a redemption. I'd be fine with that. That's that's redeemable. Interesting. And then finally, we get a, a final scene of Yantovis being sad that everything is is going to shit and that uh uh what are their names pulley and squish look like they're 10 years old um mm-hmm. yeah i mean i don't really have any any deeper feelings about that pete do you have any feelings about yantovis being sad here it's an audio medium so you do need to speak let's move on <laughs> okay great chapter 16 erastus such a laugh and Kilmanderos speak of obligation carabas Draconis, and Anamanda Rake. Silchus Ruin meets up with Tulas Shorn. They're bros! They talk about wars, the curse of the Elaint, and Anamanda Rake, and humans, and Shadowthrone's gifted Hus Sword. Shorn tells Ruin Rake's deadly secret. Ryad Elace projects to talk with Udinas. Udinas is with Saren Padek. They talk about Kalava's plan and protecting Saren and her child. Torrent dreams and meets Krupp, who, after being Krupp for a bit, gives him a rivy bow and arrows. Tool tells his people that when their battle is done, they will turn to dust for good. His followers accept. Ristal Ev talks with Tool and Ulog Tugtil, shout out, about her memories and power from the north. Gruntle arrives at the gate to Starvald Demolane, where Kalava is. They argue about gods and war. In the end, Gruntle pledges to kill her son, and they fight. Mappo arrives at Icarius and senses Icarium's worry. Mappo thinks that he needs to find Icarium, tell him the truth of his history, and have him end his life. Mappo then sees the ghostly image of Badal from the past but staring at him. She tells him about her dreams, and Mappo thinks it wasn't like that. He flees. The three Elder Gods continue to bicker about blindness and ignorance. They are interrupted by an explosion as Carabas the Otateral Dragon emerges. Kilmanderos tells the others that Otateral is the Eye of the Storm, the Eye of Abnegation. They had birthed the storm, and now the Elaint must try to kill her. Erastus reveals his true plan of killing the Warrens and Kurul, leaving only the Elders and the Chaos of the Holds. Sechel Lath begs Kilmanderos to do something, but she tells him the future is unknown. She asks Sech if he'll stay with her, but he refuses telling her that he doesn't want to see her die at Draconis's hand.
Pew, pew, pew. Chapter 16. You thought we couldn't get more exposition in a chapter, but boy, were you wrong. We sure do. Uh, but that's not really until the end. Uh, and so let's just quickly move through the the, the middle of this uh, section before we can get to what we actually really want to talk about, uh, which is the end of this chapter. Uh, I don't know if you guys feel the same, but that's how I'm feeling about chapter 16. This is I was not uh, this chapter is fine. It's just I think coming off the big battle fun. I like was so engaged with the last chapter. Yeah. I was, you know, it's nice to have a chill chapter sometimes, though. Would you call this a chill chapter? I feel like the end of this chapter, the I was like, brutal. I was mowing my lawn and I was right. like screaming well, in my yard. OK, well, you got me on that one. Okay, <laughs> you got me there. OK, but I mean, I guess talking about the chilling, uh, Josh Silch's ruin meets up with Tila Shorn and their friends. What do you what do you think about this? This little meeting of the minds, you know, these just two two ancient bros hanging out, apologizing for trying to kill each other at some point. And yeah, being, I, thought being it was, friends. I thought it was pretty cute. I mean, who wouldn't want to see someone they knew 4,000 years ago? You know, I mean, that's like not a lot of people you can really connect with, I would imagine, after that amount of time. Mm. So pretty cool, but I don't know. It was a weird conversation. This whole like, oh, Anamander had this secret and I can't tell you. Like, we can never tell anyone this secret. I have no idea what you're talking about. It was so it's, lost. A de- it's a deadly secret. Yeah, a deadly, a deadly secret, whatever the fuck that could possibly mean. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, did we need to see Tulash Shorn again? No. Am I happy he's here? Of course. I would I would say I would have li- I, I, I would like to see Tulash Shorn again because I feel like when he was in Reaper's Gale, um, I house. feel like his story. What was it? Totally hounds. Was totally hounds. I feel like his storyline kind of ended in a fart for me. Yeah. He was just kind of like built up and then he was like, oh no, they got munitions. See ya. And then he just left. Yeah. He's a cool guy. Um, Kind of a weird filler scene for me personally, other than I guess learning that there's a thing we don't know about Andamander. That seemed like the point of that conversation. <laughs> Which also feels like, well, yeah, there's a lot we don't know about Andamander. Yeah, really we got Not it, Not the most open book in the series. Yeah, yeah kind of weird. <laughs> uh, India, uh, Ryad or Rude talks with Udinas in his dreams, uh, and he's already met up. Udinas has already met up with Saren Padak. How are you feeling? Are you, are you excited that Saren's back in the story? Uh, we've got his child, Troll's child now in the story, I guess. Um, how, how are you feeling? Are you excited to get further into this or no? Well, the thing with this is, is like, it's exciting, kind of, and it's interesting, mm-hmm. but it's only so interesting because we are headed toward an ending that has what I believe to be nothing to do with them. <laughs> so <laughs> what are we? Uh, imagine I'm wrong. Um, what are we what are we here for? Mm-hmm. Like, what? Why are they here? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think what I feel. You, how did you feel? No, yeah. I, I feel similarly. I think I, I mean, I think it's you know, I, I like Udinas and I like Saren Padak and obviously they were connected with Troll and I love Troll. So I am like obligated to be interested in that storyline. But part of me also feels like this is maybe just planting a seed for like a uh, one of the novels of the Malazan Empire. I don't really know. But, uh, you know, maybe they could show up in the next 600 pages and like be relevant to to this battle, like you said. But but I am having similar thoughts of like, how do they connect into this, you know? And why? Like, why can't we just leave the people that are not in this goddamn book, not in this book? <laughs> well, because this is the last one. So it's the last book. I don't know if you yeah. know, this is the 10th the one. And so fucking true. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I, I think I feel similar. Speaking of characters coming back, Pete, 
how'd you feel seeing Krupp show up in this chapter? Uh, did you remember okay, that AJ, Krupp showed up here? Or AJ, I'm glad you asked. Okay, I'm going to share, okay. but I think the context should frame that uh, in an uh, absolutely emotional breakdown-esque period, you know, absolutely <laughs> living... Uh, in real life? On a, in real life, just living on a knife's edge over here. Okay. So... I don't know if this really reflects anything about the work, but when Krupp showed up, full on cried, you know, just wow. burst into tears when Krupp showed up onto the page. Sure. So what is the takeaway for me on how I think about Malazan? <laughs> I have no clue. Really hard to triangulate with all the data. Yeah. But I did just want to share Krupp's presence was very welcomed in uh, in my house. Yeah. I will say it is it is nice. And, and you did bring up earlier that this is kind of a chiller chapter. And I would say I would agree for the most part. It kind of is. We're kind of just like catching up and maybe setting up some new seeds for later on. But this part specifically feels like one of those things that is in these books often after chapters that are like full of battles or death or just like deep things where it's like, OK, well, now we need to take a breather for a second. So here's Krupp for a scene. Uh, he's going to be silly, do some Krupp stuff like just like take it easy for a sec uh, and then we'll get back to we'll get back to the regular irregularly scheduled uh, Malazan sadness. Yeah, it's just nice to see him being a dad. Do you know what I mean? Just nice to see and him being also, a dad. That's true. Showing up for his kids. And also there's that random line where he's like, and no one can say I'm a not a good dad and let except like that one person. And then it's like I kind of forget exactly what it was, but it kind of referred to that he maybe had another kid or that well, he has he had two kids past. Well, he's got two kids. Yeah, okay. But. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's not like a, he had a kid in the past or that there was some story there. That was very interesting. I was kind of a little curious about that. But um, anyway. Oh, yeah. He he had uh, got somebody who was going to get married pregnant. Oh, yeah. With that, like that a. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And then when Torrent wakes up, uh, sees that Krupp has visited uh, the children and has given them the food that Torrent did not eat, which I think was very sweet mm -hmm. also. Cool. Josh Hit me. tool tool is here and he's still he's he's still really upset. Um, but he's he's just telling everybody, like, look, once we're done, you're fucking we're fucking over. There's no there's no more. How are you how are you feeling? I would love the Talani mass to be no more in like a positive way. I just don't know if that's where Tool's leading them, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah. also, you guys hear about this guy, Ulog Tugtill? No, tell me more. This dude's fucking everywhere, it feels like. Really tearing oh, yeah. up the charts. Uh, I'm wow. hearing good things. Pete, you hear about <laughs> really, this guy? Really got a lot of positive buzz, that guy. I don't know why they're going to the north. Very curious stuff. Uh, mm. And by curious, oh, I mean, I guess maybe that's where the fucking dragon's coming from. Who knows, everybody? Yeah, that's what I'm curious to, like, where, at what point and, and where geographically do we all end up like in one spot or do we, are we, or are we in multiple spots? Yeah. You right. Know, like, There's what's... not a lot of book left for a fucking battle against the fork gorilla sale and Kalance. Right. Which is a thing I completely forgot about. In this, yeah. In this oh, section of oh, the book. You're talking about things we forgot about. I mean, what about Ganoas Perrin fighting a war in a different Morin against the fucking watered down fork gorilla sale? <laughs> Remember that one scene 20 chapters ago? No, that's still happening. And that was this book, man. What? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck me. All right. Well, I'll I'll have to refresh myself on that, I guess. All right. Um, 
I know there's stuff AJ wants to get to. I really want to wrap up, but AJ, I know you have stuff you want to get to. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, sorry. We can we can blow through this. Uh, Gruntle meets up with Kalava. They talk a little bit. And it's like, yeah, Trick's my son. He's like, well, fuck you. I'm going to fucking kill you. And then they fight. Uh, cool scene. Loved it. Mappo arrives at Acarius uh, and is sad again. Uh, <laughs> India. No, I'm just kidding. He's just, just sad more. Pete, you brought up earlier uh, this part. <laughs> Are you really good, India? That was so funny because I hate Mappo. <laughs> Pete, you brought up earlier uh, that this scene, uh, you referenced this scene, I guess, where uh, Bidal is explaining like the stuff that had happened in the city and, and kind of the, some some more of the history uh, of Akarium and Mappo. What what did you what did you like so much about this? I just think that exposition's uh, interesting, and I also think the imagery and how it's kind of presented is really cool. And also, I love Mappo, unlike one member of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, uh, um, count them. Two members. Damn, That's really? No, I'm kidding. I love, I love my boy Bob. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. AJ, uh, tell me how you felt about this whole Elder God ending that uh, I guess you listened to while you were mowing the lawn. I did listen to it while I was mowing the lawn, and um, much like how I was destroying the top parts of my grass, the gate destroyed the barrier between realities is that, is that AJ I know is what that? you're thinking you're sitting here right now wondering did I nail that yeah <laughs> you did champ yeah you did thank you so much yeah you did thank you so much I really appreciate that because I really was like is that anything um no I I think this is so fucking cool I mean this is like one of those things in these books that I just think like this is so fucking metal um, and also I love Pete, you've talked about on the show before how you really don't sometimes really need to know the rules of how things work and stuff. I love learning rules about things and how like magic works and whatnot. So for for them to be like, oh, well, magic itself is like a big hurricane. But Otateral is actually the center of that hurricane. Uh, and so without the center, the rest of it does not exist. I think that's so fucking sick. I love it so much. Um, and it's just like if this were like a scored, if the, if the audiobook had a score, I think it would just be like shredding guitar this entire time. Like, yeah. I think we would we would be in some real like like melodic or um, not melodic, but like uh, symphonic metal here. Um, oh, yeah. Where, you know, where like the moments where we're like where Central Lath is like, I can't believe you're doing this. What's happening? Like, that's like some like swelling string parts and stuff. And then the part where uh, Carabas is like flying out is just like an absolutely fucking shredding guitar solo. I thought that I, this was I love this moment uh, so much uh, and uh, for it to end with Erastus being like and I am just a fucking petty little asshole oh, yeah. and I want to do this because I fucking hate Krull and that's the only reason I think that moment also ruled because we've known the Aaron's a little shit and I feel like he hasn't really been on his little shit bike this whole book but here he is he's on a fucking motorcycle now baby it's really really great stuff really really great stuff I just would like to take a moment for us to have a retrospective of like at this point in book one, the adjunct Lorne was still with us. And the only thing we <laughs> cared the, and the problem we had is that a single Jag Hut who was evil had come back to life. And yeah. here we are, baby. We've killed God and summoned the, the end of all things uh, in book 10. 
and uh it's really really just the the stakes are so much higher i think it's so goofy yeah okay i just i finally can i sorry to rush you through this aj we can finally get to my question i've been dying to ask it okay and well wait do do we want to get india's quick quick general thoughts on this moment inch Oh, <laughs> I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> was it just, was it just like totally it's so hard to understand? Yeah, yeah, I totally get that. I totally get that. I didn't even want to understand it. I'm not going to lie. I didn't even want to. <laughs> I said, I, I, you know, when you read a page and you're like, fuck, I barely understood. I, or I barely even like read that. Yeah. I'm going to keep going. Yeah. I, I did that for like 10 pages. Yeah. Well, of, of all the stuff in this book that is like, here's a bunch of proper nouns. I feel like these moments are just so full of like, here's a bunch of work. Like here is a dictionary for the Malazan universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're talking about it because the elder gods know about and talk about everything. And so we are just like constantly on this uh, track of like, you know, we're just talking about all of history forever all the time. But I do miss like a lot of, I think, key, I don't know, just like mm. just like important things mm. by not like really uh, digesting sure. these chapters um, or not chapters, but like these like really dense pages. Mm-hmm. But then I'm just kind of like, I don't fucking care because this happened a thousand years ago, five thousand years ago. And although it's still for some reason impacting current reality, like you got to wonder how how many years do you need to live to fucking get over it? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the question. Yeah, that really that is really what it comes down to is 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 the errant slash Erastus being like fuck crawl specifically for ten thousand years. Right. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Pete. and look how it's turned out for him. And look how it's it's working out great for him. Uh, all right, Pete. What's your question? I don't. I want to know how you guys feel. I am feeling the same feeling I felt when I reread The Crippled God earlier this year. Mm. At this point, halfway through the book, I'm like, I need to fucking finish this book right now. Yeah. I'm like, I need to sit down and just read the least. I'm like, what, I, there's no part of me that's like, oh, I'll just read the next chapter when I, I'm like, this needs to happen today. Yeah. Mm. I'm so fucking impatient. I don't know how you guys are feeling. The, I'm very similar. I would like to be done. It's it's good. And I know it's going to be good for the rest of the time. Let's just do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like this book has set up the rest of the players that that the previous uh, or this this like book five uh, in in the crippled God has set up what the previous uh, chapters had been setting up with. Everybody is now on their way to a place and we are going to this shit is about to go down. But I mean this, the introduction of Carabas like blighting the land just by flying over it. Um, I think is a pretty interesting wrinkle in this, in this whole thing. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm curious to see how that manifests. Definitely. Uh, I, I'm totally ready to just like figure out what is going on in the rest of this book. India. Um, okay, so how am I feeling? I am ready for this book to be over. The only reason that I would want to sit down and just finish it all at once, because I do 100% agree with that, is just so that I can have the ending. I mm-hmm. just need to know what happens. What I need, I need to know that the last four years of my life haven't been for nothing. Breach. And there's like a huge payoff that I'm expecting at the end of this book. Mm. And if it doesn't meet me where I need to be met, I am going to be probably, I don't know, dejected. Like if the, if, the, if these four years only gave me three new, beautiful humans to love forever, 
that wouldn't be enough. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. That it wouldn't be, be enough. Okay, <laughs> cool. Okay. The stakes are high then. So high. So high. So high. So high. Impossibly yeah. high. <laughs> yeah, I um I also hope that there is some great emotional payoff at the end of this. Uh I want to Because cry. I think also it's like not only have we been doing this for for a show for four years, but it's like this is not a normal pace to read a series. No. You know? No. And I'm curious, I would be curious to to figure out how somebody who read this series from the beginning felt like reading these books as they were coming out. Um, yeah, that'd be interesting. Because yeah. that's like, what, 12 years of, of time invested into this series? Something like that? Quite a bit. Like 01 or 02 to, to 2011, 2012? Something, 10? Yeah, I feel like it's like roughly 10. Yeah. Which is, which is, came out rather quick. Yeah, wild that Steve was cranking these out one a year um, after, after the initial, but geez. Yeah. So, so as, as abnormal as our situation is for the current state of these books, I I would be curious to to know like how somebody who was reading these as they were happening feels about the ending, but I'm excited to get to the end regardless. I mean, Christ, talk about edging. Am I right? Talk about edging, dude. Yeah. Oh, Oh my gosh, we've really come full circle. <laughs> we finally, we did we finally got into edging, which I believe means we uh, are able to end the episode today. <laughs> as a thank you, as always. Yes, uh, you can email us ten very big books at gmail.com. You can tweet us uh, at ten very big books, and you can join our Discord. That link is in the show notes. And I'll be doing my credits thing in just a moment, uh, but before I do, when I say come, you say passion. Come. Passion. Passion. <laughs> All right. Three, two, one. <laughs> one. That was so uncomfortable. That was the most uncomfortable silence I've ever experienced. I hate it. I hate it. Hello, everybody. Producer AJ here about to do some promotion. Just a reminder that on July 22nd, we will be hosting our 10 hour stream of The Fallen. We'll be playing games, talking to the community members, chatting about the show, all while raising money for Pro Literacy, a charity that supports adult literacy in the United States. Uh, It will be live on YouTube, so make sure you follow that link in the show notes to subscribe to us there so you do not miss it on another note thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast if you'd like to give us your thoughts or feelings about this or any of our episodes you can always email us 10 books at gmail.com tweet us at 10 books or you can head on over to discord bit.ly slash vbb discord that's capital v capital b capital b capital d discord that link will also be in the show notes thank you to all of our wonderful patrons over on patreon if you'd like to financially support the show you can head on over to patreon.com slash 10 very big books that link is also in the show notes and as as always, thank you so very much to Dan Gezerick for making our spectacular cover art. You can follow him on Twitter at A underscore W underscore Dan G for some really demoralizing tweets about the Philadelphia 76ers. Thank you as well to resident Scout Wilkinson, Scout Wilkinson, for the special art she is providing for this season. You can follow her on Twitter at Humble Goat and on Coffee at KO-FI dot C 
O slash HumbleGoat. And of course, the wonderful music in today's episode, including the remixed intro and outro track, is by the one, the only Amaranthan from his album Simulant Rain, which you can find along with his other music on Bandcamp.com. Links to their pages will be in the show notes, and 10 very big books will be back in two weeks on June 9th, Talking the Crippled God, book six to one in chains. I'll talk to you then, and thank you so much for listening. <laughs>